Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by two guys who are very passionate about their Jared Dudley cartoon character comparisons. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Uh, nothing much, Dave. Uh, happy Easter. Happy Passover. Happy whatever you may be celebrating uh, around this time of year. This is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And I'm Gene Zielak. You can find me at Producer Gene. And I am in the Dudley is Foghorn Leghorn camp. Uh, I don't know about you, Chuck. See, I, I can't help. I'm not that creative. I couldn't help but think not, of Dudley do right. You're not Porky Pig. <laughs> Or Elmer Fudd. Elmer Fudd is, is would be better. Or Mr. Potato Head. Or oh, like like Toy Story, Mr. Potato Head, or just any old Mr. Potato Head. I think it's more just like a realistic potato on a human uh, body. Yeah, like he... a like a large potato, like GMO'd to be <laughs> an eight pound. <laughs> Um, thank you, Jerry Maguire, an eight-pound potato uh, on top of a, a, a human body. And, and and what a body it is. A, a dad bod. <laughs> You're coming big... real close to describing me right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but we got it. I mean, we have to start with the Sixers, right? Because, I mean, what a difference from the last time we spoke uh, about, you know, what's going on with the Sixers. And I think, you know... I don't know who to who to give the most credit to, but I think we do owe some credit to Jared Dudley, right? If there's one guy that knows how to light a fire under Ben Simmons' ass, it's Jared Dudley. So after game one, uh, you know, Brett Brown basically calls out the team and he, you know, sort of self-admitted that he uses one of the, you know, bullets in his chamber uh, to to rally the troops you know, motivate them to use the fire and brimstone uh, to get them motivated. They come out, they dominate game two, and then Jared Dudley takes it from there, calls our boy Ben Simmons average at the midcourt and exceptional in transition. What an asshole. <laughs> so that was actually between two and three. Well, well, there was something that somebody said that fired Ben up. I thought for game two because wasn't a game. No, I guess it was game three that he put up. He put up his thirty one. Yeah, right? in game three he put up the thirty one uh, points on on like it was the first game oh, in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah. game two was simply they came out just to be like uh, we're not going to get pushed around by you jokers. Right. Yep. On our home court. Yeah. So, I mean. <laughs> well, let's take let's take the statement at face value. Ben Simmons is excellent in transition and an average half court player. I mean, is it so outlandish? Is it accurate? Is it crazy to say that? It's not crazy to th- to say that, but I certainly think that He's such an odd shape for a point guard. A guy that big who plays an average point guard becomes, by nature, above average. When you can do the things that Ben Simmons does athletically, and maybe you are an average half-court point guard, that in and of itself is exceptional. Because most point guards are 
six to seven inches shorter than what Ben Simmons is. Ben Simmons is almost seven feet tall and is athletic as an average NBA point guard. That is freakish. Um, But what I think that we appreciate about his transition game is also his vision, his his passing skills, which I think translates into the half court. The, I think what Dudley maybe was referring to is like that the NBA has a tendency to become a half court game, a possession to possession game in the playoffs. And I think that that's what Ben then went out in game three and showed him. Oh, you think I can't score if I'm not running? Well, let me show you that I can, in fact, score and score in bunches and get to the foul line and score a lot of free throws. And um, basically, to take uh, a quote out of Donovan McNabb's mouth, that was his way of physically showing Dudley, take my name out of your mouth. That was that was that was what Ben basically had to go out and do in game three. And everybody knew like the 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 big red target was on him that he was going to have to come out and have a game or else the the moniker of that he's going to come up small in the playoffs was going to start to stick. Even our own sports writers have been saying that that you know Ben Simmons is a just an, a regular season player and disappears in the playoffs. These are people in Philadelphia that are writing this. So he had to come out and make a statement that no, I'm not just a regular season player and that was was a way to make a statement. Yeah, well, I mean, we certainly can't have Ben Simmons scoring five points and expect us uh, to succeed in the playoffs. But what I think, you know, Jared Dudley's mistake and and some national media pundits have weighed in on this saying that, you know, Dudley's comments are correct. Um, And then, you know, some of our local media uh, Eskins, um, I think (laughs) that the the issue is, is everyone's so locked into what a prototypical point guard is supposed to do is what they are supposed to look like. And why are we shackled by that concept? Um, Like, why does a point guard have to be able to shoot threes or um, yeah, I I, I don't know. It's just, we have something different here. And when you have something different, you can exploit a lot of things. And when Ben gets that aggressive nature to him and, and, it seems like it's like a willful decision on his part. So I just don't really understand why he doesn't decide to do it every game. Um, he could be ultra effective and game changing. If you want to knock him, it's because you can knock him for the fact that if he's not hyper focused, uh, you don't get an a game out of him. Um, but my point is when he is hyper focused there, it's almost, he's almost unguardable, uh, in terms of how he plays, uh, down low. Um, it, it's amazing to me. We forget that he he often gets a, lo- a lot of triple doubles and people talk about his scoring and his assists. He is an elite rebounder. He gets double digit yeah. rebounds as a guard almost every night. And there is n- no way to, 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 to not take that into account. When you've got him getting as many rebounds as he does, Embiid, who uh, basically is a guaranteed double-double a night, he, he gets a double-double in 20 minutes. Uh, and then, you know, you throw in a guy, another guy who's going to get 10, you know, you're they're talking 30 rebounds easy, 40 rebounds easy. And that should win you a game every night. On Ben, you know, Dave, you talked about his la- lack of three-point prowess. And that's, uh, to put it lightly, does that make what he does more impressive? The fact that, like, he's playing without this one club in his back. You know, he's being uh, an effective point guard without the ability to shoot threes. And 
everybody knows it. I mean, yeah, but again, he has these, um, you know, he has these physical attributes that most other players at his position don't have. So, um, I mean, yes, in one sense, he's playing, you know, with one hand tied behind his back, but he has an extra arm. (laughs) Uh, so never never have i wanted this show to make t-shirts more than that moment right there ben simmons (laughs) with just an extra arm i I just can visualize it one hand tied behind his back thankfully has an extra arm when you look at point guards in the league uh when it comes to uh rebounds ben simmons is third in rebounds per game behind james Harden and russell westbrook who are also like freaks they're also freaks i mean james harden is a generational you know i think first ballot hall of famer and i don't think that there's any any question he's he's one of the few guys in the league that is like unquestioned the man on his team everybody knows that he's going to be the focus of the offense and he still will drop 45 on you without breaking as well but when you look at when you look at like prototypical point guards when i'm thinking of like middle of the pack point guards i'm thinking of guys like d'angelo russell right uh like damian lillard like those kind of guys and they're getting like four i, I think lillard's a little better than the mean but d'angelo russell i think is a very good comparison to an average point guard would you want d'angelo russell because well, they're the same draft class aren't they, aren't they? or is d'angelo in in Bede's draft class um, I'm not sure. They're close in age. They're, They're really close, close in yeah. age. And we absolutely D'Angelo Russell could have been somebody that we drafted. Uh, oh no no that the was process. the uh, that was the Okafor draft. I think the Lakers picked Russell ahead of us. Okay, all right. So there you go. P- perfect. Would you have rather had uh, Okafor, um, Jaleel Okafor or uh, D'Angelo Russell out of that draft? And and would D'Angelo well, Russell have still met the same fate as Jaleel Okafor and know. not be part of the process? Yeah, I, I don't know, because if you had – would you have even gotten the first-round pick to get Ben Simmons? I, I don't know. It's all – it's hard to say. Do you like that style of point guard, the the D'Angelo Russell, you know, guy that's going to knock down 15-footers, maybe – Are you asking me if I would rather have a mediocre point guard or an all-star level point guard? I'll take the all-star level point guard. All right, there so you go. That, I hope that answers the question. Question answered. <laughs> All right. So Ben Simmons responds to uh, the average call out by saying, oh, that's coming from Jared Dudley. Come on. <laughs> Which I think is perfect because what what is so funny is if you look at Twitter and you look at Sixers Twitter and um, and, the, and then you look at like national NBA Twitter, um, Sixers Twitter, like Sixers fans are like white on rice uh, about this. Uh, when you look at the national Twitter scene, it's kind of like I love that Jared Dudley is, um, you know, unraveling the Sixers, which is insane. It's like, how did that happen? We won. We we ripped off three in a row, uh, and we won one game with putting guys who did who saw more minutes in a playoff game than they did in any regular season game. Right. So I just don't get this narrative. And it's kind of like the players themselves are caught in this situation because like you're supposed to be like, yeah, Jared Dudley, whatever. I don't really care what this guy says because he's essentially nothing, as Joel Embiid has pointed out uh, after game four. Um, But then if you do give credence to it, you're kind of letting him get under your skin, but either way we're winning. Like Jimmy Butler said, like, I don't care. We got the dub. 
we put up 51 points in a third quarter after Dudley. So I don't feel like this is an unraveled team. Uh, right. Who, so, who, uh, Simmons obviously is uh, knocked off his square by these comments, comes out in game three. Obviously, we, we brought it up, scores 31 points. Uh, Dudley airballs a three, and Simmons gives them the, you know, arms wide uh, gesture like, come on, dude, you're a clown. Missed it by, <laughs> missed it by this much. <laughs> um, but also in game three, uh, we have we have a new segment we want to roll out here called For Who For What? Um, and this is where, you know, we're getting questions from uh, from listeners for us to weigh in on various topics. So I want to thank uh, at Anthony Hudax for his first uh, first request for us to weigh in on a topic. Uh, and that's the game three crop dusting. Have you guys seen this video? <laughs> I have and I, I haven't. I haven't heard of or thought of the term crop dusting in like at least 20 years, but yes, I've it's definitely seen it. Oh, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Embiid's on the bench. Uh, he's, I don't know if this is more load management or this is just straight up injury uh, issues, but Embiid's on the bench. He's sitting with, uh, who's he sitting with? Uh, his buddy with the cell phone. Uh, Amir Johnson, Dave. Right. So it's uh, Embiid, Amir. Uh, um... I feel like Mike Scott, if he's not there, should have been there. No, no, no. Mike Scott. Z- Zaire there. was there. and uh, Oh, yeah, Zaire was there. Uh, Jonathan Simmons. Right. One of the Simmons. The other Simmons. Okay. And then, and then uh, Ennis comes over. And walks away, and it kind of—I I don't know if if the the stink happened before Ennis came over, or while Ennis was there, or after he left. But then all the guys start to react, like someone let let something loose on the bench there. So here's what I want to say about this. All right, look, basketball is the one sport we cannot have guys farting during the game. <laughs> it's too close. You're not outdoors. The fans are too fucking close. Look, I, I work with someone who said the other day, like, I want to sit courtside. I want someone to sweat. I want to feel sweat spray on me. I want Mike Scott to take a sip of my Jack Daniels. He'll do you it, You do too. not want to smell someone's ass. That That's where the line has to be drawn. These guys cannot be farting. During a professional basketball game. And these are not small dudes, so you know that they don't have small meals. No, you know that ass is all sweaty and everything. Dave, I can't disagree with you more. (laughs) Oh, really? Like, not that no one wants to smell it. Nobody wants to encounter that. It's not part of your your game day experience. But I don't want my players holding in farts. I don't want them, like, you know, (laughs) tiptoeing to, like, mid-court. Try to let one slide when they're away from people and then go get back in the play. I feel like that's what foul shots are for. Well, you, then you got to do it not on the bench. I mean, do it on the court or something. I, I don't know because if the fans are too close. Those guys are paying a lot of money to sit in those seats. Do you, do you think they should wander like up the tunnel a bit and, and just lift the leg and let it go and then kind of like wander back in? No, Maybe. professional sports is a game of inches. Anything you're doing like to inhibit yourself, like if you want to go up for the rebound 
and you want to not fart while doing it, like you're not going to get maximum height on that jump. You're not going to fight for that ball because you might let something slip. Sorry. Fart away, Sixers. <laughs> fart away. You certainly don't want to let anything slip. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, look, we're never going to be able to really get to the bottom of this, but um, where do you guys weigh in? Are you guys uh, smelt it, dealt it, or denied it, supplied it, guys? <laughs> I, I think uh, smelt it, dealt it, and just because that's the more proactive. Denied it, supplied it. Like, I mean, look, the, there's going to be a truthful denier. If so, you know, if, like, the three of us are sitting around, someone goes, like, uh, somebody farted, it was you, Chuck. And I didn't. What am I supposed to say? Like, you know, I am Spartacus, and just, like, is that what you're supposed to do in this scenario? Well, Johnson was, like, a statue. He was stoic. Yeah. He had no reaction to it whatsoever. Well, he I knows mean, he I... doesn't want to make any more headlines. Well, I guess that's true. We, well, it was Embiid. We all know it was Embiid. It was that, definitely Embiid. Was... It was definitely Embiid. There's just <laughs> wow. no, there's no question about it. He was like cracking up, and he, that's his sense of humor, I believe, <laughs> that he wanted to gross out the, his teammates. And I, okay. And that was total smelt it, dealt it, like made a big gesture of pulling the shirt over his mouth and like looking around and then cracking up the entire time while doing it. It was a hundred percent him. And I think he waited till somebody got close enough so that he could like have like plausible deniability. And he was in street clothes, so he could and have it not affect his game. Yeah. All right. So there you have it. (laughs) We encyclopedia Brown that shit. That's what I'm saying. Uh, All right. (laughs) those are bad references when talking about farting (laughs) all right well let's move on to uh the coup de grace here the let's not bury the lead too much further let's just talk about the incident that happened uh during game four uh the highlight of our our playoff experience uh to this point Embiid hard fouls um uh jared allen and uh for the second uh, time because that he is he's he laid that elbow into him what in game one so this was coming pretty vicious elbow which kind of precipitated this whole thing because of the apology uh that he made uh at the podium with simmons and they were kind of laughing about it because they really don't really give a shit which i think is the right response Mm. anyway right why are we asking them if to, to apologize for that you know what i mean what? <laughs> I'm sorry. I was making a basketball move, and your face got in the way of my elbow. Right, like seriously, like what reporter? Are you sorry you smashed uh, Jared Allen in the nug? Like, why? Well, I, I have no idea why you even like uh, ask the question well, this to is apologize. Example of that because it, it, you know when you watch the replay, Embiid's going for the ball, uh, and Allen's face just gets in the way. Yeah, well, it's because that fa- that dude's face is always in the way. He, he doesn't get himself in very good position. <laughs> All right, so, and, you know, in, in Dudley's defense, he can't really see what happened over there. He just sees an extremely hard foul. Um, but no one's really, you know, Embiid's got his his hands up, which Embiid's really good about doing this, like getting himself in the middle of something and then just kind of hands up, like, I'm not involved in this. Like, you know, I'm not throwing anything. I'm not getting in anyone's face. I'm an innocent bystander here. Um and then Dudley comes over and just gives him a gives him a shove. Attempts to give him a shove because basically he bounced off of Embiid. 
It was a pretty lame show. I don't think Embiid even moved. <laughs> and 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 Dudley came basically from half court and ran full speed and basically just like flumped into. I really feel like that was the sound it made was flump into, um, into Embiid. Well, when you watch the replay, it looks like every other player is frozen. Because nothing was going on. It was no big deal. Dudley just was like, oh, yeah, here's my opportunity to go and cause some shit. And Dudley comes sprinting from midcourt as fast as, like, a a 45-year-old man can uh, to give him a a really weak shove. Just kind of – I don't know. And maybe it was one of those I want to spark the team situation. Oh, I think this is flat out premeditated. I wanted, I want one of their superstars to throw a punch so that they come out of the game. Absolutely, there's not a doubt in my mind that his thought was, "I'll trade me for one of their big five. I'm, I'm just glad it wasn't Reddick, honestly. Yeah, or Mike Scott, for that matter. Right <laughs> at the end of that game, although uh, it was brought up in the post game show that uh, you know if Mike Scott was was on the court at the time. Yeah, Dudley might not have any teeth left in his mouth. Oh, one hundred percent. If Mike Scott is on <laughs> is on the court right there, like Mike Scott has basically said as much. I I will go in and protect all the rest of my guys. Like I'll be the one that will 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 throw the punches so that everybody else stays on the court. He yeah, just that's wasn't, good. I mean, he that's just the way wasn't the hierarchy the, should be. He but wasn't I mean, the Johnny I on the spot. Jimmy Butler's, you know, kind of knee jerk reaction to the situation. Uh, you know, gives him a shove and then kind of there's just like a, a little melee. People fall into the stands. It looks much worse than it probably really is. So a referee ended up the... on his back, too, I think, which was ended up being the real problem. Who's that? A referee ended up like two rows deep on his back, which was a, a problem. Yeah. But I, I think a lot so... of that came from D'Angelo Russell actually jumping yeah, in. Yeah. Like very late. Um, but so what do we think about the refs decisions here? Because they decide to give and beat a flagrant, which I think maybe, maybe that was the only correct call. Like maybe that was a flagrant. It wasn't a, it certainly wasn't a flagrant too. Well, yeah. And well, it was just a flagrant one, right? Right. Yeah. And then they eject, uh, Dudley and, uh, and, um, Butler. Right. I don't know that I, I – I mean, I guess you inject, uh, eject Dudley for starting it. I don't know. I, it didn't look like D- that Butler really did all that much, honestly. So we got <laughs> – see, and this is what drives me nuts about NBA referees. They never want to make a decision. Everything offsets. Everything offsets. Every time there's an altercation, it's offsetting technicals or both guys get ejected. Uh, but can we look at the caliber of player when you're doing the ejection? Seriously. I mean, if Dudley's going to get ejected, uh, can't we get like uh, Can we send off Jonah Bolden or, or send off Jonah Bolden or something? Yeah. No, I, I, I get that you can't do that. But, I mean, obviously the Sixers felt on – the Sixers were not the instigators in the situation. The flagrant call is very debatable in my opinion because he got almost all ball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and the Sixers come out huge losers. Uh, it was essentially so like you know, like giving the Nets just, a, Nets a power play. Well, yeah, and you essentially just rewarded the instigator. Uh, right. So I would just do it again. 
I mean, there was conversation where it was like, as this was brewing over two games, that at some point Dudley was going to try to start something to to get Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, or Ben Simmons tossed from a game. And it I was, haven't heard anything from the league. No, I haven't heard anything either. Although I did hear that um, the Nets general manager has been suspended a game uh, without pay and fined $25,000 for going into the referee's locker room after the game. That oh. game game, yeah, yesterday's game game four? Yeah. What yeah, did he, he want to say? Like, like, don't have tossed Dudley? Like, I don't know if it was to complain, drop off a bag of cash. I don't know what it was. <laughs> But I know that the Nets had 10 more free throws than the Sixers, and they came out huge uh, in that suspension offsetting, I don't know, offsetting ejections. We'll Do you feel it. like that's kind of a mark of a desperate team? Like, don't, don't you, didn't you get the feeling that the, the, the Nets were a team that was was playing like they were the one on tilt? I don't know. They're, so they're down two games to one, um, and they're at home. And they're winning the game. Right. Which it, so, that, it was a crazy time to pull that stunt. I mean, had, you know, uh, it's difficult to say, like, had that not happened. However, we have seen this happen uh, in the Celtics game. Yeah. Uh, we've seen it happen. Um, uh, Milwaukee game. It was the Milwaukee game, too, wasn't it? Milwaukee game. Right. And both of those games, it seemed like we got a jolt of energy and particularly Simmons and Embiid come out like supercharged after that mm -hmm. stuff happens and they rally a comeback. Yeah, I, I was just going to make that point of, you know, this Sixers team really seems to feed off of it and do tend to be smart about it. Like we will engage just enough and, and then shit talk and beat you on the court where it matters and to backtrack to Mike Scott, I think he's just a you know a, a hockey player wannabe. You know, with all the hockey jerseys he wears, and he's like, if I'm out there, I'd stand up for him. You know, so I think you know he just was born with the wrong skill set, and you know never got to make his hockey career happen. But this this Sixers team has that spunk about them, has that grit, that has that. Oh yes, please mess with us. You know, please try to provoke us because it's just going to take them to another level and they're not going to take the egregious foul. They're not going to make the really dumb play. I heard somebody say today that Joel Embiid is an epic troll because he is having way more fun than anybody else in the NBA and the rest of the league can't stand it. They can't stand that <laughs> he is having as much fun as he has and they're very serious and uh, stoic, and Joel Embiid is none of those things, and it drives them crazy. And that's and 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 Joel Embiid is a master shit talker, and he has no qualms about telling people exactly what he thinks about other players. Uh, he has called himself the process. He's called himself the greatest. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, he came out of the the, the started the season with I'm going to be the MVP. And he's like a seven foot tall version of Jimmy Rollins. It's it's incredible. Well, look around the league, and you're you're absolutely right. Everybody is miserable. Everybody hates the team they're on. They all think it's going to be better being on a different team. Uh, everyone's trying to play with their friends, uh, and and Bean's just like, I love where I'm at. He's like a guy that 
in my mind, appreciates, like, has a sense of where he's come from and where he's at now, and like, recognize that he's a very blessed individual uh, to have this opportunity. Um, so yeah, I mean, hey, live your best life, dude. Like, that's all I could say. But w- the the Sixers themselves, I think, are are finding themselves like they're fine. Like this, these last three games, they have found their identity. Like they're having fun when you watch these post game press conferences, especially the one you know with uh, with Jimmy and Joel uh, after Game Four. You know, and Joel says they don't want to wind up in the same situation that the Warriors were two years ago, up three one, and and Jimmy just gets up and walks out. Just like, leave. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. They're they're having a good time. I mean, Tobias Harris is, has really found um, his groove this last three games. Uh, kind of like an unsung hero right now at this point. We need to recognize like his contributions here and like, my God, what a difference. Like what the hell would Robert Covington have been doing in these playoff games? Deflecting some things around, but I don't know that I, he's, he's, he's putting up the same kind of consistent points that Tobias has the last three. But games. if this is the identity and this is how it's going to be and, and, and they're having fun and they're rolling, I mean, this could be a magical run. It really could. This is when, as they were talking going into the playoff, they kept saying that the Sixers never found that chemistry, that, that, um, that, 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 you know, they kept talking about how they hadn't played together or whatever, that, that flow, I guess is what they were looking at. And I, I feel like you're never going to see that sort of, ballet like choreographed basketball with this Sixers team but what what you can see with them is that these are guys with a lot of high basketball IQ uh, and maybe the best example was that and this is came right from from uh, from the coaches from Brett Brown's mouth uh, they were talking I think it was during game three at one point um, he was drawing up a play and and Butler and Simmons were like well coach what if we we'd actually why don't we do this and they had basically another wrinkle or another variation of the play and brett's like all right we'll do that the first possession we'll do mine the second possession like these guys have got a very high basketball iq uh, and he, he sometimes he's got multiple essentially multiple quarterbacks on the court at the same time and what they've what they've begin begun to do is play to each other's strengths and jimmy butler knows now that he he's not the man but sometimes he's got a He's got to show flashes of that takeover mentality. Um, and especially with Joel Embiid, maybe when he is playing, only going to be able to do 25, 30 minutes a night. They've got to be able to win games and close out on teams uh, without the big guy. Yeah, and uh, well, so we play again uh, Tuesday night, uh, mm-hmm. 8 o'clock. At home. At home. Uh, some, probably some fierce uh, booing going on every time uh, – Jared Dudley takes the court. Um, so that should be fun. We should, I mean, I would think we're going to close that out. I would really like to close it out. I could really, we could use the extra time. Uh, the other thing that really, really makes me want to close it out is Boston closed out uh, Indiana today, and I know they're taking some time off. So, um, you know, I'd like to kind of keep pace with what, what they're doing as far as rest schedules. Yeah. Not that Raptors we're, not that we're going. 3-1. Uh, Okay, so the Raptors are three one two. So you know the first round could kind of start to to take. You know the second round could start to take shape here by midweek. Uh, yeah, we this is to- clearly just the appetizer for when we play the 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 Raptors uh, by by next weekend. Um, and you know just for just for info, you can get into this uh, this Sixers game uh, Tuesday night for less than a hundred bucks right now. So 
you know, the, I'm sure these tickets are going to start to price us out uh, as these rounds go by. Um, so if you want to see a uh, fun Sixers game, there's tickets available for Tuesday. Um, oh, but we have another for who for what? Let's do it. Uh, because at Radar4132 uh, asks us, uh, what are some all-time Philly guys that you got to defend if someone takes a run at them? So uh, we brought up some um, some present players, like if you know if uh, if Harper gets thrown at, yeah, you got to have up. his back. Yep. Obviously, Joel. Oh, yeah. uh, we see it every night. Yeah. Yeah. So, who are some of these like all time guys that you know Philly has to protect? All time guys, I don't have one off the top of my head. For modern guys, Carter Hart. If anyone comes anywhere near Carter Hart's net, like you just gotta clean his car. Yeah, I feel like our prolific forward forwards have always had a can handle themselves uh kind of demeanor about them. We don't have like a Sidney Crosby or like a Wayne Gretzky who like you have to leave them alone because they're so fragile. Yeah, no, I mean like <laughs> if you think about like your 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 flyers centermen uh, classically it's bobby clark yeah that's a guy that you know can handle himself uh rick tockett uh eric lindros uh claude Giroux. these are all guys that uh you know are not what you would call fragile yeah i think our quarterbacks always i mean mcnab seems like he was probably tougher than most um i feel like if you had taken a run at randall that that there were some big dudes on the line that was going to, we're going to have a work going to want to have words with you. Well, and, and if you did, if they didn't want to have words with you, I'm pretty sure buddy would have had words with them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Randall was a pretty tough guy for having such thin skin. So that is, uh, that is a pretty unique, uh, trade. You of mean his. McNabb, right? Oh, damn it. That was a tough guy for having thin skin. I, like, I, I completely <laughs> dropped the ball on that joke. I was, like the moment you said McNabb was a tough guy, I'm like, I got one. Just looking for my opening. Like, damn it. But Wentz, I mean, they got to protect Wentz. You got to protect Wentz. Yeah. You got to protect you know, Wentz. He's starting to, he's, the injuries are starting to rack up for him. Um, Classic Sickers, I feel like you had to you had to protect AI. Uh, certainly, AI could handle himself, but um, you know, if one of those big guys was going to take a run at uh, a run at at at, uh, at Iverson, I'd like to think that Dikembe would have had a, a finger wag for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, Charles was able to take care of himself. Nobody's taking a run at Sir Charles. I'm just that <laughs> <laughs> just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you got to have a death wish to do that. Um, and I you feel know. like Chooch. I'm sure Chooch could handle himself, but he's just like everybody's best friend. Like, so if like if Chooch were ever to be thrown at, like, oh, I, I, I feel like you... Chooch is the guy that's first into the melee. Like, if somebody wanted to, to make a run at 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 Utley or at Jimmy Rollins, like Chooch is the one that's coming after you. Well, well I, Utley, I agree. The... Yeah, uh, but uh, I think that people would come to his defense. It'd be like Chooch, you sit this one out. We owe you one. Well, Utley was impervious to pitches being thrown at him. He Wait, just, I feel like he sucked. Like he sought them out usually. Right. Oh, that was coming from my face. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Utley was the champion of dip the elbow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is great. So I mean, eh. the yeah, only think, thing uh, that irritated Utley was fractures. Like anything short of fracturing his bones that would force him onto the IR, uh, he was good. 
Yeah, now don't get me wrong. I mean, Embiid doesn't really need protection in the sense that he can't handle himself. He needs protection because if he retaliates, he's off the court. Right, which he's exactly. Self aware of. He can't take. He can't throw punches because they are looking to get. You know, he he he's a seven foot center who does nothing but yap. Obviously, he has attention. Um, so that's why you need a Mike Scott. Yeah. So I would say presently today. Uh, Wentz is the most important person that we need to uh, protect. And I think Carter Hart's right up there, right up there too. But hey, speaking of Carson Wentz, did you guys know the NFL draft is on Thursday? I have heard that. And, like in uh, three days? It's going to be on ABC, like televised on one of the big three networks. No one's talking about the NFL draft around here. Because I don't think that picking a first round lineman at 25 has got any sex appeal. Because that's well, what's going to happen. It's going to be either a defensive tackle or an offensive guard. So I'm seeing uh, in the mock drafts that we could potentially get Josh Jacobs uh, running back from Alabama. If we hadn't picked up Jordan Howard, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. We're going to get a, 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 a Oh, well, a he's on the last year of a deal. So Yeah, but I just don't see that being the Howie Roseman template is to, to draft a running back that high. He he seems like he's the guy that loves a fourth round running back because of how much production you can get and have, have to pay them basically nothing. He's been really successful with that strategy. He'll take three of those guys before he'll blow a first round pick on one. All right. Well, we'll see. I mean, I just don't have anything else to add. Will we pick what twenty fifth? I think we pick twenty fifth. The only thing I think that would make it interesting is if Howie somehow makes a deal to push us up near ten, and maybe we go after. Some sort of a big, I mean, do, do you see us going after like a, a big time receiver? We don't, we're not going to go after a quarterback. They basically said that um, their feeling is Sudfeld is the equivalent of drafting a guy in the second round right now. So I, mean, I don't see them going after a quarterback. Why else do you true. move up? Why else would you move up? Is there, this is I'm a not very... saying they should. I, I, don't, I, I don't, it's so weird that we're not, that I have no information because no one's talking about the draft. One of we have the... so much other cool shit going on right now. It's almost great that I don't know anything about the draft. I would say that the Eagles are on the back burner, but then there's there's been some conversation about some things with the Eagles that have kind of pushed it back to the forefront. The, the Eagles yeah. can only well, ever go you, so far you away. Kinda, yeah, you kind of touched on it a little bit when you said that they're, they're not going to draft a quarterback. Yeah, no, I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback. Um, do you want to talk about one of uh, one of our former quarterbacks' comments about our current quarterback? Yeah, legendary eagle, retired number five. Who will always love us. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Donovan McNabb made some comments about Carson Wentz this week. Yeah, basically he said that uh, if the he doesn't win a an NFC championship game in the last two year in the next two years, the Eagles should move on. That he's not the answer. He's not the guy. Says the guy who lost three straight NFC championships. Am I right about that? <sighs> You're right. Yep. Well, he made it very clear to get it was get past the second round. Uh, okay, which would have um, put him level to Donovan's greatness. <laughs> so he, here's <laughs> this is my thing with McNabb, right? Okay, um, you're unemployed. You have uh, a couple of DUIs on your record. Uh, you got caught up in some nonsense in the Me Too movement, and you got fired from the NFL Network. Um, yeah, where is Donovan right now? Is yeah, he just like being interviewed in Arizona? Is he just like walking out to the mailbox and 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 shouting into the wind? 
So making uh, crazy statements like this is really the only way that he gets himself in in the conversation that's not him going to prison or something like that. <laughs> so I just don't know what to do with this guy anymore. Do we love him? I mean, is he a beloved? Like, he should be. Like, we should love he's, Donovan McNabb. Like, the, just shut the fuck up. The greatest, you know, there, he's arguably the the the, the – do you say he's the greatest quarterback in in Eagles history? He certainly has the 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 numbers. He is certainly the mo- yes, yes. He's the best quarterback we've ever had over a you know a, an era. Is there a difference the between era. the best and the greatest? Like he's I, I, the best I mean, quarterback, but is Nick Foles the greatest quarterback? We've already had this conversation. <laughs> Check our archives. I don't know. Let's ask the Jacksonville Jaguars in three years. Okay. Yeah, but I I don't know. McNabb just needs to go away for a bit. You know, take up some golf. Take advantage of Uber. You know, it's a great service, dude. You can afford it. <laughs> you know, and just just hide out for a bit, and then you know. Seven to ten years from now, come back to the area, do some Eagles pre and post game shows, rehabilitate your image because he's he's not beloved right now. And it's all the ancillary stuff. You know, yeah, he didn't win the big games, but he was always in the big games and he was a great quarterback when he was here. And then the moment he left, man, it's just been drama with him, like always having an odd opinion on something, a unsolicited opinion on something, <laughs> you know, the, the DUIs and the, you know, sexual harassment firing, you know, which also makes me want to go back and go like, Hey, Terrell Owens, we all owe you a po- an apology. Like in that big fight between McNabb and Owens, turns out T.O. was the good guy. Right, right. right. And I supported McNabb in that in the, at the time. God damn it. I, I was just upset that they couldn't work it out. Like, like, why can't you two just get along? Like, we could go back to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Chuck. Yep. We've, uh, I've held it off long enough. Oh, God. <laughs> Take us through this Kate Smith nonsense, please. All right. And we're going <laughs> to start with the disclaimer. You're about to listen to three white men talk about race. Um... <laughs> So maybe I'm trying to, to speak as little as possible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're about to listen to one guy stick his neck out. Um, <laughs> no, so, no, no. We got your back, Chuck. Well, what happened here? Um, in and case it's, and it's elevated it, today, right? It, it, the, it is. It the elevated Kate today. Smith statue is gone. Oh, it's not just a big, uh, a trash big bag covered, uh, yeah, hefty yeah. bag covered blob. Yeah, not not a Dementor, um, <laughs> not the uh, ghost face killer from Scream. Not a, a ring wraith. Not a ring wraith. Um, more <laughs> pop culture references are welcomed, um, but so it's it's gone, and the Kate Smith era of the Flyers is over, and it it all came about from the Yankees and the Yankees said, we're not playing her due to several keyword, several. I've only ever seen two reference, but people are using the word several for that. In my opinion, that's a couple or a few, but that's neither here nor there. Semantics. 
It is, and I think the the main thing that set me off right from the beginning is the 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 just the way all of this has been handled. So she's had she had a recording of um of a song with the word darkies in it. I mean, like that's not good. If you listen to the lyrics, they're not good either. It was presented as Oh, you mean you started with that and it didn't get better? No, no, it didn't get better. Um it's and and the question becomes well, there's a lot of questions. And actually, I'm just going to jump to the end. I'm going to jump to the end and go, my main problem with this is the way it was handled by the Flyers, the way it was covered, and the fact that we're not having an adult conversation about this. Of, you know, Kate Smith, they're saying two problematic songs. The the one song with the most horrific lyrics going around, um, that one People are, you know, it was originally defended as satire. Someone wrote it was considered satire at the time. Well, if it was satire at the time, it's satire today. Chuck, when was the time, by the way? When when were these songs recorded? Uh, 1933, I believe. Yeah, during okay. the Great Depression. Yeah. So um, it's been the, these songs have been in existence for 80 years. So yeah. I mean, here's my and question is, is, you know, when they really dropped the ball in the 70s when they called up this woman and they didn't do their homework then to realize what a rabid racist she was. Well, see, that's the thing. I don't know if she was a rabid racist. And and then also in the 70s, I'm not certain people would have cared. Um, Like we weren't well, there. I mean, honestly, we but, weren't there. Well, How were we supposed to the, know? In the 70s, though. You know, Bugs Bunny was still appearing in blackface. Okay, let me just say this, okay? I I don't give a damn about Kate Smith. Like, all of that Kate Smith shit with the Flyers was, like, before all of us were born. Uh, And I personally have not really seen it work as, like, a good luck thing, right? Like, we have Lauren Hart sing with the Kate Smith recording before our big games. Like, oh, we're going to win a Stanley Cup now because we're playing this record. I haven't seen that work. So maybe, like, people can explain to me, like, so they were 3-0-1 in songs that – in games that Kate Smith sang before – I I don't get it. What what is this – crazy uh affectation towards kate smith that we got to erect statues and stuff for her well it okay so, so for me i don't care like just take the stat it doesn't it means nothing to me well it, it it's the it's something that gets damned a lot about the flyers and something that some of us really enjoy is the tradition is the stories is the legacy of the broad street bullies and those eighties teams and those nineties teams. But really it does come down to the broad street bullies and Kate Smith's record when the flyers were winning cups um, was astounding. I think um, the footage they used was from 1975. I want to say, Actually, it's wrong. It's from 1976 when they actually lost. <laughs> but I think she was like 22, two and one. You know when the Kate Smith record was played. She's a hell of a goalie. They were 19, one and one. 19, one and one over the next three seasons. Yeah. So, but it became this thing. It hyped up the crowd. It hyped me up. 
and it was losing steam. But these recordings that she made, one, and I mean, forgive me for saying it, it's the That's Why Darkies Were Born, which you can, hey, just so you know, buy on iTunes right now. You can buy it if you want. But hey, Kate's missed the bad guy. And I'm not <laughs> arguing that she's not. But the idea, like, this was reported to be satire. And if the satire doesn't hold up, that doesn't make her... It's of the era, right? Like, there's Dean Martin recordings where he talks about, like, slapping your wife or... That was the example I was going to use. Oh, nice. Yeah, and because I remember you and I listening to that. I had, like, the Capitol Records, you know, Dean Martin collection. And it was, like, the last song on there. There was no warning. There was no nothing. It was Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. It's uh, welcome to the doghouse. It's like, open up the doghouse. And like, how do they get out of the doghouse? They both decide they're going to beat their wives. And like, I bought this on CD. <laughs> I bought this on CD. In, yeah, in but we're not going to scrub. Okay. We're not going to scrub Dean Martin from existence. Yeah. And, and, and then there was another one, the the uh, Piccaninny's Heaven, that's I think worse than than the first one, and because that one just included blatant stereotypes, a you know rendition of Swanee River, I think it was from a film. It was not a music video. If you put out there that it was recorded as a music video, that pisses me off because just it, they didn't do that at the time. Videotape didn't exist in 1951, but I think it was a part of a film, and it seems almost as if this was a sincere, sweet message to "quote unquote" colored children, but just an incredibly ignorant one, like a a one maybe not you know based in hate but definitely based in stereotype but i don't think the debate is whether or not these songs were racial racial well the debate is whether or not the songs are currently racially offensive or not because i think we can universally agree that they are the the question is do we view uh, everyone through the lens of their previous actions even if those actions were 80 90 100 300 years ago do we cover up the washington monument because uh he was a slave owner i mean but i'm taking it to the extreme but you see where i'm getting with that it's like now all of a sudden this date uh april 21st or whatever 2019 is the day that we decide that the kate smith albums are unacceptable and she should no longer be played at sporting events and coming from me I don't care whether they're played or not. <laughs> I'm just upset that the Yankees were playing her too. I thought that was our thing. <laughs> well, Kate Smith's rendition of God Bless America, which real quick was the song being played. This is not, you know, something that jumped to my head was, um, oh Lord, the Christmas song. I'm blanking on it. Baby, it's cold outside. You know, right? it's similar sort of controversy of like, well, but that's, was actively being played and people were actively having a reaction with, you know, 2019 ears. Like you're subjecting to this, this narrative that's no longer cool. Never was cool, but is more, more aware of it now. Um, 
But Kate Smith's rendition of God Bless America is iconic. It is the rendition to go to. Probably not anymore, and that maybe that's fine. And I, I just think the way the Flyers handled it was hasty. I'm not even... I don't think they made the wrong decision. You know, to, to jump to the end again, I think hockey is an incredibly white sport. And we are making strides to be more inclusive, to reach out to groups who might not feel welcomed uh, playing hockey at any level. They're really going to, to people of color, to women, to gay people, to, to you know, uh, religious minorities to go, hey, you know, you can play here. This isn't just a, a, a sport for white Christians, you know, white, straight Christian boys. It, and the, you know, the black community perhaps feels the most ostracized. I can't speak to it, but it's a stereotype that black people don't play hockey. Um, Wayne Simmons had a banana peel thrown at him. You know, a lot yeah. of black players get, you know, you know, harassed in not just North America. Actually, thankfully, it's mostly out of North America, but they still get harassed with these racial stereotypes. So in that scenario, I think the abundance of caution is right to go. Hey, we want to make this a place where you don't have to second guess what our priorities are. But my God, I would have liked the statement to say that. I would have liked, why did they have to cover up the Kate Smith statue? Were people going to have, like, panic attacks? Like, was somebody going to go walk by and go, my Lord, that's Kate Smith. That's the woman that sang all those racist songs, you know, just out of the blue. No, they had a little time. Take yeah. a step back. Make a decision. The statement today was good. It did mention you can play in hockey's for everyone and that sort of thing. But take a step back. Take a breather. Talk to us like adults. I I don't even think I was thinking before of the what Chief Wahoo from the Cleveland, Cleveland Indians. Yeah. And they gave him one last year before retiring him and that's incredibly racist. I thought maybe they could do the same thing for Kate Smith, but no. They, I just wish that more thought was put into the handling of this and, you know, and just use it as a jumping off point. Go, you know, hey, for many reasons, we're moving on from Kate Smith. We're taking the statue down so everyone feels welcomed. Let's welcome a new day and flyers them, yada, yada, yada. It's so, the PR that drives, drives them. So, Chuck, I think that what... What the Flyers need to do next is they need to uh, they need a band aid. Uh, they need to replace the Kate Smith statue with another statue. And I'm here to offer my suggestion for who should replace Kate Smith. Uh, now this is and this is a serious uh, serious thing. Like I know I maybe I, I sound like I've got my oh here's my a punchline coming thing. There is a punchline coming, but <laughs> <laughs> but no, very seriously. I think that they need to erect a statue in the same location where the Kate Smith one used to stand to the actual voice of the Flyers, Gene Hart. Oh, I thought you were going to say gritty because oh. it's the same shape. <laughs> oh, I thought this was going gritty as well, but I love that, Gene. I think that they should be. Is there anybody who is more beloved for, for in Flyerdom than Gene Hart? Do you not then have the actual voice of the Flyers? That's literally what he's what he's what his moniker is. 
we have lots of statues to broadcasters. We've got Harry Callis and got Harry. Uh, and, yeah. and and I, I hey, I'm the whenever I go there, I go and get my picture with Harry. I've got a whole collection of pictures with Harry. Uh, we've got the guy in the parking lot who was one of the Sixers announcers, who I can't remember his name at all, but he holds that book. You don't know what I'm talking. <laughs> now this is this is make the announcement flyers i'm giving that you can take this idea for free have lauren hart come out and make the announcement that they're replacing the kate smith statue with a statue of her dad gene hart i mean he's not great looking so they're gonna have to figure out <laughs> <Why did this? laughs> neither is kate smith by the way <laughs> But real quick, we could pull this clip of like going like, here's our impassioned plea. Gino is ready to applaud you. I think this is brilliant. I was going to say it's the official Philadelphia platform, but to really go, Gene Hart did X, Y, and Z. Now he's not the best to look at. I mean, I feel like Gene Hart would say that too. I feel like he was self aware enough to know uh, that he yes, was not going to. He's not going to look great in bronze. But you know, we got to figure out a way. To immortalize the voice. I mean, he had a face for radio. We all know that. Uh, you know, <laughs> let's, let's immortalize him in some way, some fashion. Uh, and I feel like that will really kind of mend the mend the pain, mend the hurt that this whole situation has caused, specifically with season ticket holders. I I think that's a great idea, Gene. I really, really do. I think because he should be honored. He is the voice of the Flyers, his connection to his daughter, who is a, a wonderful anthem singer in her own right um, and does a great rendition of God Bless America. Um, I think it's such a great idea. And what it got me thinking of is um, I might mess up his last name, Lou uh, Scheinfeld, uh, uh, Lou Schoenfeld, the um former executive with the Flyers. He's opening up that uh, sports museum yeah, down yeah, there. Yeah. And that'd be a great place for the Kate Smith statue. Like, not to celebrate Kate Smith necessarily, to go, this is a part of our history, and then have a plaque next to it going, it was up for these years, it was removed for these years, it was replaced with Gene Hart. And then everybody's happy. Everybody's happy. I'm the, very happy. The Gene. three people I... that want to have their picture with Kate Smith can. That was always the one I skipped. Uh, the three people that want to have their picture with that statue can can go to the museum and get their picture with state with Kate Smith, and everybody else can go and stand around Gene Hart. Hey, and you can also go out and get a picture with the uh, Frank Rizzo statue because that's still uh, standing up in the city, right? That one's so weird because he's just like <laughs> randomly walking up the steps. I mean, just saying. Hey, uh, not to take us too far off of this topic, but I have a, uh, a tweet that just came across from Lane Johnson. Okay. Uh, that has uh, – he, he – Did he tweet at, at Potadelphia? No, 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 no. He, he <laughs> tweets at Donovan J. McNabb. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six snake emojis, and then says, "And you wonder why no one respects you when you come back." Oh, oh. wow! Shots fired. Sick burn. That is. See, that's Lane getting his quarterbacks back. I love it. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, um, do we have time to talk about the Phillies? Yeah, we can do like five minutes on the Phillies. Yeah. Uh, while we're still while we're still treading dangerous waters here, hey, I I'm anybody else having trouble uh, 
calling the injured list not the disabled list anymore? I got in a big fight at work the other day uh, because I, I said that somebody was on – what is it now? It's the – I it's not the IL, IL. it's the it's IL. IL the Illinois and somebody was like I said that's what it was I had sent I had said to somebody uh th- they're in IL uh on IL no, it and, was in our text and Chuck said they got traded to the Cubs oh right 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 it was in our text and and, and I was apparently like, it was a big fight man I just thought it was a no, no, dumb no. joke do, do we no, need no. to talk the big fight was uh at work we were talking about words that you're not allowed to say anymore and the R word came up and uh, they're like, yeah, you know, I used to say that to like my friends. All I, I didn't say this, but the guy who was sitting near me was like, I say that to all my, to, I used to say it to my friends all the time. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm glad that we don't say that one anymore. And uh, uh, yeah. And he kind of gave me a dirty look. So, I mean, that's a big fight in my life. I'm not, I'm it's certainly not Jared Dudley, but. Well, well, that's a, but that's a good fight to have. You're on the right side of history there. Thank you. Uh, is it the the term disabled or is it the connotation of being on the DL? So, so here's the statement. The principal concern is that using the term disabled for players who are injured supports the misconception that people with disabilities are injured um, and therefore are not able to participate or compete in sports. As a result, uh, MLB has agreed to change the name disabled list to the injured list at both the major and minor league levels. I, I so like it's that. exactly the same. It's like the same, the same, you know, ten day, fifteen day, whatever it is. It's all still the same. It's just no longer disabled list. It's injured list. I like the rationale that they present. That's that's you know these twenty nineteen sensibilities. That I do enjoy thinking about that of the unintended consequences of of statements. But no, I don't believe that for one second. It's the fact that everyone knows that. If somebody's on the DL, they're on the down low. <laughs> and that I think that has entered the vernacular. So it's just, no, I, I refuse to believe it. Uh, I'm fine with changing DL to IL, though. Okay. Um, Jared Eikhoff pitched today. Looked pretty good for the most part. Until he didn't. Until he didn't. So who who you got? You got Eikhoff or you got Pavetta? I still think uh, I have faith in Eikhoff. Uh I still think that right at the moment he's got a better uh, mental outlook. And, um, you know, it seems like his stuff uh, – it's so hard to judge anybody off of a uh, kind of like a, a blow-up in, in, in Colorado. Um, the ball doesn't behave the same way it does other places uh, like it does in Colorado. It's, it's, it's statistically proven that – um, that's just the way it is. There, there's a reason why starting pitchers don't want to go there, uh, th- th- don't want to play for that team. Um, so I-, I would like to give him at least. I what do we give Pavetta three starts? I'd like to give him at least that long of a leash. Uh, and I feel like mentally Pavetta was just not in the right place, uh, and he really needed to, to figure some things out about the mental part of his game. Uh, because uh, very similar, I think our ace was able to, and then maybe this is why he's an ace, I think that, like, literally mid-game two days ago, was he in the, the third game of the series, the one we won, uh, was able to kind of figure out mentally how to pitch again and uh, and and showed some fight and uh, and finally looked a little bit like Aaron Nola. Let me ask you this. <clears throat> Can we go back to the Cole Hamels trade? Sure. 
All right. Do you remember who we got on that trade? I think Nick Williams is part of that deal. Correct. Uh, was that Alfaro, who's now in Miami? Correct. And maybe Eikhoff? Correct. Was there one more? Was there a fourth There's guy? There's more. So it's, it's Alfaro, uh, Williams, Eikhoff, uh, Alec Asher, Matt Harrison, and Jake Thompson. Wow. So where are those other of, guys? As of right now, who was the most valuable piece in that trade? Well, you can take it one of two ways. I would spin it that Alfaro is because he, absolutely by by sending Alfaro to Miami, you get JT Realmuto. Yeah, I mean, as of right now, that's hard to argue with, and I don't think we thought that at the time. No, no, I think we thought that uh, Alfaro was a good player, but I think we all thought that Nick Williams was going to be a starting outfielder for this team. Right. And maybe he would be if we didn't have a guy named Bryce Harper. Um, well, he would be starting. That's for sure. Yeah. I don't know how good of a starter he would be. <laughs> we didn't specify good. We didn't specify, you know, sure. starting. So. Sure. Um, all right. Anything else on the fills you guys want to bring up? Uh, you know, take out your, your really good March and this team is, is 500 and, I mean, do they feel like a 500 ball club to you, or do you, do you not put a lot of stock into this this little swoon that we had in Colorado? Do you think that they're they're tired? Uh, do you think that you know this stretch of 17 games is doing a number on them? Uh, anything less than two or three against the Mets becomes uh, a, a you know a cause for panic. Well, when you uh, when your pitching staff um, is bad. You're five, and you have a really good offense. You're a 500 team. And then when you take take the one pit, the one good pitcher that you have that's underperforming, and then all of the other pitchers are either underperforming or performing to their level of expectations, then that's what you get, man. It's going to be dangerous to get into this year if these pitchers don't get it together. The uh, the offense also can't leave 19 runners on base. Like that was the thing with this offense that they were really proficient at was scoring base runners uh and you know maybe it's an anomaly you, you know this offense isn't going to leave 19 people on base uh they also did have to deal with a lot of injuries in that in that particular game um but god that was the that was the the loss that really irked me because that was uh, a game that we had won we had gotten the, the final two strikes and to have have it ripped out of your chest that way what was, the Blackman walk off? Yeah, God damn, that's yeah. annoying. I mean, because Bryce Harper hit against the shit like that. That at bat that Bryce Harper put together to score, to, you know, to to get that RBI that won the game w- would have won the game. I should say uh, that's a, a an at bat that you a guy deserves to have a, a game winning hit from. You know, to hit against that shift and put it where they're not. That was a professional yeah. good at bat, and I really wanted that for Bryce. <laughs> Well, the Phillies definitely have some cover while the Sixers are still um, kicking around the playoffs. So uh, on that, let's go to Chuck's penalty box. Thank you, Dave. 
Um, you know, let's start with Gene this week. Hey, Gene, who's in your penalty box? Sticking with the Phillies, I am putting Charlie Blackman in the in the penalty box because, man, nobody uh, comes into a, a Philly series slumping the way that he was. And man, did he get hot fast? And God, is that annoying? Uh, it 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 should be against baseball rules or or something to hit two home runs on two different pitches in two different two different days. It just should not happen statistically, and it's really annoying that it happened happened against us. Uh, you know, you close a game with him knocking one out of the park, and then you open up the very next game with him hitting a home run. It's really annoying. So that dude needs two minutes just to cool his bat. Thank you, Gene. And he's going to get more than two minutes. We're going to give him uh, a double minor for the you know consecutive home runs uh, on the back-to-back days. And I believe one of those days was 420, and they're Colorado. So he's getting the double uh, minor plus 20 seconds. You're getting 420 minutes in – 420 minutes. Damn it. Four minutes and 20 seconds in the box. Dave, who is in your penalty box? All right, so uh, yeah, I was in I was in Hilton Head this week, and I was uh, it was the day after the the game three win, and I was uh, rocking my I basketball uh, Phila uh, t shirt that I got off the uh, the Veterans Shirtium uh, website, and a uh, an old golfer man got in the elevator with me, and he said, "What is what is that Philadelphia basketball? What are they the?" the 76ers and i said yes they are the philadelphia 76ers and he said oh they haven't been good since 76 fo 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 i said well you clearly are a, a student of the game uh, so you would know <laughs> up the elevator so uh for that i'm putting old-timey golfer guys who don't know stuff about other things outside of golf in the penalty box well unfortunately he didn't have bagger vance there to help him out um so old-timey golfer guy uh you're getting a stroke penalty could have had a literal stroke (laughs) at that age i'm 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 sure it will can affect many people at many different ages so i mean watch your uh your cholesterol people um so who's in my penalty box you asked dave Who's in your penalty box? Um, in my penalty box is Jeremy Roenick, or more specifically, whoever is responsible for his hair. Um, oh God, yeah, it is awful. <laughs> and like, I want to say it looks like you know the playoffs are about to start, so he just grabbed a bunch of bleach and maybe some peroxide and went at it. But that doesn't capture the greenish hue to it. <laughs> and I, I think of the. Street Fighter 2 color of Blanca, <laughs> where I always viewed it as yellow, but everyone else said it was green, and I could kind of see it, but I more thought it was yellow, and that is the color of Jeremy Roenick's hair. <laughs> and he's been on TV for um, just shy of two weeks with this, and like nobody is going like, hey, JR, we got some like just for men, we can take a little bit off of this, like... <laughs> like change the lighting throw in a gel or something like i don't it's it's horrible and like i i mean 
maybe he's not the greatest guy. Maybe he doesn't have many friends, but someone needs to tell him what he looks like on TV. So whoever is responsible for Jeremy Roenick's hair, uh, you're getting a double minor for just being an eyesore. Two things. I like how someone other than Jeremy Roenick is ultimately responsible for Jeremy Roenick's hair. And two, I also enjoy that Jeremy Roenick's hair could be the next, um, like, gold and white dress debate. <laughs> nah. Jeremy Roenick's hair is green. Jeremy Roenick's hair is yellow. I don't know what the hell is going on. Uh, <laughs> all right, everybody. That's our show for this week. Um, if you've enjoyed what you've listened to, and how, how could you not? Uh <laughs> Please, uh, please give us a subscribe on iTunes. Uh, give us a five star ratings and a review if you uh, could find uh, could find it in your heart to do so. Uh, also, follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Pod Adelphia. Uh, also, be sure be sure be sure be sure to check out the Whip Around, our sister podcast, for all your uh, your weird news presented in a, a comedic format. That's a good description, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, a comedic format. Um, but we are going to be back uh, Monday morning. Hopefully, we'll have a a, a preview of uh, Sixers Raptors for you. We'll uh, we'll recap the uh, the NFL draft, uh, more Phillies stuff. We'll be tearing down statues or building them, or breaking, building them, breaking windows. We'll have Game of Thrones recaps for everybody. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. So until then, have a great day at work, everybody. Bye.